Um, well, today I want to um, start by asking a question. I often do start by asking a question. And um, the question is a very simple question, but not necessarily with the simplest of answers. So the question is, what is the church? So you might think that's a pretty clear, clear question, but depending on where you are in life at the moment, you might answer that question very differently. So you might be here and you're exploring faith and you're thinking about what's God all about. And and so the question, well, what is church, hasn't even particularly occurred to you. So you just answered, I don't know yet. You might have recently come to faith, and um, um, but you're not still not quite sure what is the church. You might have been in and around church for many years, but the, the actual question of what is the church has never particularly occurred to you. Or you might be sitting there thinking, he should get off the stage because I know better than him. You know, um, and uh, we can pray for you later. But, um, <laughs> but for those of you who'd call Trent Vineyard your home church, you might look at that question and think back over the last few months. I think, so what is the church? You know, you might think about, we've just celebrated, two weeks ago, we celebrated the opening of the Kids Centre, and many of us participated in, in giving to that, and, and others were working hard to see it happen. In the last few months, we've seen three churches planted or commissioned out of this church go to, to, go to other towns and cities around the country, to Oxford, to Mansfield, to Derby. That's part of what the church is about. In October, um, John Bodley spoke, about, spoke to us about um, small groups and what small groups are about. And, um, and other members of the church on that morning or evening, depending on when you were here, they shared about their own experience of what this church meant and means to them. We've looked recently at hallmarks. What are the things that, if you like, mark out what we want this church to be? So as a church, we try to be compassionate and outward-looking and generous. We try to be servant-hearted and we try to do things well. And uh, in three weeks' time, as John said, he'll be um, giving his vision talk, looking back over the last year and looking forward over the next 12 months as to where God might be calling us. And while looking at all those things can be very helpful... In and of themselves, they don't answer the question I really want to look at this morning. Because at its core, the question I want to ask is, why church at all? Why bother with church? What do I fundamentally believe the church to be? And again, depending on how you're wired, you might answer that question in different ways. You might think, well... What does the Bible say about it? You might say, well, what's my opinion about what the church should be? Or what it is? But then we get to the more fundamental question. What in my heart do I believe the church to be? You see, and when I say heart, what I'm not talking here is what do I feel? When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not just talking about my feelings. So if you imagine you've got three roads and they're all going towards one point, towards one junction, and in, on the one road you've got your mind, you've got your thoughts, your understanding, 
In the other road coming towards this junction, you've got your, your feelings and your emotions. And on the third road coming towards this junction, you've got your will. Well, the Bible says that your heart is the place where those three roads converge at one point. And so today, the core question is that I'm inviting us all to think of and to reflect on, is that as my head and my emotions and my will converge at one point, when they come together, what do I believe the church to be? And I've slightly laboured that question. I've slightly laboured the the first um, introduction that that I'm doing here. But it's because... The answer to that question could change your life. The answer to that question fundamentally affects everything we do. It affects how we engage here on a Sunday in worship. It affects even how you engage with this talk and many other talks that you hear. It affects how you engage with an invitation to pray or to be prayed for whether or not to get involved in a small group, and more importantly, once I am in a small group, what do I do in it? How do I engage with others? What about serving? What about giving? And I'd emphasise here that this morning is not a a cosy warm-up to getting people to sign up to anything. It's not the first in a series with, you know, we're going to hit you over the next three or four weeks. I hope we're not doing serving and giving in the next three weeks. If we are, that's a coincidence. You know, this is not to get people to do stuff. I believe that this morning what God wants to do is to do something in each of our hearts. Because what the question that I've asked has an effect on is not just on the things that we do and the stuff we do, but more importantly, it has an effect on how inclusive we are how we deal with conflict with one another, how we deal with it where, and I guarantee you, if you haven't been offended yet in this church, you will be offended. You know, we say that um, to be part of this church, you uh, come on a Sunday, find a small group, find a place to serve, get the blessing, if you're in another church, get the blessing of that church. But there's another factor. What I would say is, get offended and stay. Because at some point you will be offended. At some point you will be hurt. Someone will hurt you in this church. Because they hurt people in every church. And understanding what the church is will help us to work through those things. And the way I'm going to explore this this morning is by reading a passage from the New Testament. It's from a book called Colossians. It's actually a letter. So most of the New Testament, which is the latter part of the Bible, is actually made up of letters that were written to churches around the Middle East and the Mediterranean. And this one was written by a man called Paul. Most of them were written by Paul. And uh, he was writing to the church in Colossae. And he said this at chapter 3, verse, verse 12. Therefore... As God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And you might think after that message, after that reading that passage, that what I'm now going to talk about is just running through all these things that we have to do for one another. But it's not most of what I'm going to talk about this morning. Because I'm coming back to the question I asked is, what in our hearts do I, what in my heart do I understand and believe the church to be? And the core of the answer is found in the first line of that passage. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Therefore, as God's chosen people. The first thing I want to look at is that the church was and remains God's idea. As God's chosen people. You see, the church was not something that was constructed by a group of people to just try and organise and structure this spreading of what we call the gospel, the good news. The church was something in and of itself that was the idea and the creation of God. And when you read through the New Testament, every time someone communicates with another part of the church, this gets emphasised every single time. And so when you read through the different letters that are in, in the New Testament, one after the other, this is, is said in some form. So Paul wrote to the Roman church and, and he, he said this, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. To the Corinthian church, he wrote, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ and called to be his holy people. To the Ephesian church, he wrote to God's holy people in Ephesus. To the Philippian church, he wrote to God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. And it goes on and on. And then Peter, in his, his first letter to a whole group of churches, he put it this way. To God's elect Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. 
For those of you here today who would consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, when you think of the church, do you first and foremost think of it as God's? See, in a few weeks' time, John's going to give the, his annual vision talk, like we said. And he'll reflect on a vision statement that was written just under 22 years ago. It was written in another place before coming here of what John and Debbie felt this church was called to be. And this is the vision. God has called us to build a growing, regional, biblically-based church in Nottingham, which will, in a creative and contemporary way, in the power of the Holy Spirit, worship God and communicate the gospel with compassion and generosity. We aim to make, train, and equip disciples to be effective in the extending of God's kingdom, to develop leaders, to plant new churches, and to contribute to the blessing of the whole body of Christ. What's the most important word in that vision statement? It's God. It's God. The church, this church was not primarily John and Debbie's idea. It was God's idea. It was God's idea that this church, this church would be one small part, Trent Vineyard, of one small part, the vineyard in churches in the UK and Ireland, of one small part of the vineyard worldwide, of a big church, of a church of all expressions, different cultural expressions, different theological expressions, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox. And it was God's idea. And you see, if we can get our heads round, and more importantly, our hearts round, the understanding that this is God's idea, it changes everything. Paul goes on in another letter. He, 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 he loved the church. Paul, he, he was in love with the church because God was in love with the church. And in, a, in a, a, another letter to the Ephesians, he wrote this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. I don't know if it comes through to you, just the sheer intimacy with how God sees his church. That his church, the picture is that his church is a person that he has deep affection for. The church is a beloved bride. And the remarkable thing is that when Jesus went to the cross, we talk about Jesus died for each of our sins. He he died to set each of us 
free. And that's absolutely true. But the incredible thing is he didn't just do it for that. He did it so that there would be a church, a people, which I'm going to come on to in a minute, a people that would be his people and would be beautiful and would be unblemished and would be pure. Put simply, that the church is Jesus' beloved. You know, we often talk in, 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 our, in church here, sometimes we talk about when we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to Christ, his church, and his cause. And I sat in a, when we used to be at Southwest London Vineyard, and I sat through sermon after sermon after sermon, and I heard, I heard John, I heard Mumford, I heard Ellen Mumford, I heard John, I heard Debbie, and they would say, we're called to Christ, his church, and his cause. And it changed my life. This understanding that I'm not just called to this individual walk with Jesus, I'm called in a way that is intertwined. You can't separate them out. I've been called to Jesus, I've been called to follow him, I've been called to be part of his community, and I've been called to live that out so that others might come. And if we get this, if we can get this and it can go into our hearts, it can change our lives. Because if we're honest about it, and if I'm honest about it, I sometimes treat, this, treat church a bit like a spiritual gym. You know, a place I come along to for understandable and very valid reasons. It's a place where you can meet new people, you can find a place to belong, you can find a place to get spiritually fit, you can try to become a better person through it, you can find a common goal in life, you can find yourself, you can get over a difficult or a a life-altering situation. And don't get me wrong, all of those things are absolutely valid and good reasons to come to church and to be part of a church. There are many of the reasons that 23 years ago, 24 years ago, I walked into Southwest London Vineyard because of many of those things happening in my life. They're a good reason to come they're not the ultimate reason to stay. You know, my reason for being part of this church, much as I love it, I love, I love it all, right? But it's not why I'm here. You know, 22 years ago, we heard what was happening here, and through second circumstances, God had made it very clear we were meant to come here too. And I remember sitting down in um, John and Debbie's kitchen and, they, and we were talking about how do you know, how do you know? And, and John said, you know, you know, how do you know to go one place or another? And John said to me, he said, um, well, it's simple. Last orders are marching orders. Right? And so as far as I understand, 22 years ago, and I like simple, God told me to come here and he hadn't told me to leave. So that's it. The only reason for me to leave this church is because God tells me to. Not because I get offended. Not because someone hurts me. Not because I don't get noticed 
for what I do or I don't do. It's because this simply is the part of the body of Christ that I've been called to be part of. And that's it. And it means it's, it's freeing. Because I can just get on with it. I can just get on with being part of the church. Not getting on with thinking, why isn't the church like this or that and the other? And trust me, if you're new here and you think it's all great, this is just a church. It really is. But it's the church that I've been called to be a part of. And if you've been called to be part of this church, then great. If you've been called to be a part of the other part of the body of Christ, then wonderful. See, if we can get this, the church, you know, it's not, it ceases to be like a transaction where I come and I, re- I receive spiritual goods and services. And if I get those spiritual goods and services and I think they're good enough, well, maybe I'll give a bit back. So that when I look at things like serving and, and loving others and giving and all those things, it's not a transaction. It's because I'm simply called to be part of God's church. So the church is God's idea. Secondly, the church is a chosen people. And I was trying to separate it out. I was trying to separate God's and chosen people. And then I was, when I was going through it, and I, I was getting, I I've got carried away in the first half because I couldn't help but bring into the first half a bit about the people. And I was going through it yesterday afternoon. I was thinking, oh, it's not working. It's not working. It's not two nice, clean points. Because the pe- God's chosen people, you can't separate it out. I tried to, and I couldn't. You can't separate God from his chosen people. That people that he speaks with is with such affection. In 1 Peter 2, Peter writing to all those churches that I, met, I mentioned earlier, he said this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, the Bible is a story of a people. That's what it is. It's got all sorts of other stuff in there, but primarily it's the story of a people. And in the Old Testament, that people, called the chosen people, was a small people. It was a distinct people. And God walked through situation after situation with that people, and he was continually faithful, and they were often unfaithful. And it's the story of that relationship. But at the cross, something changed. When Jesus went to the cross, Jesus didn't just go for you and me individually. He went so that that people could be all who would come. That's what he did, that's what he did it for. And that's why when you read through the New Testament, you find all these pictures that are written. All these pictures about how God sees the church how he sees his people as family, 
brothers and sisters, as a bride that I've just talked about, as the body of Christ, as a royal priesthood, a temple of the Holy Spirit, as God's special possession. And it'd be very easy from now to go off and say, well, now let's analyse each of these. But when, God's, when the, the, the Bible is speaking to us about these things, it's, it's good that we study them, but sometimes it's, it's good to stop and just receive it. What's the, what's the whole thing that, that God is communicating when he describes the church in this way? And it's the affection he has for a people and the desire to have a people that church is not to be a functional thing, that church is a people and a precious thing. And this church, no more and no less than any other church, is a precious part of that people. You see, for the New Testament writers, they couldn't conceive of not being part of a people. They just couldn't conceive it. So when, when, you, read, when you and I read the uh, New Testament, and you hear that I read the word you, I've learned to read you, me. It's me. It's speaking to me. And it is. But actually, it's much bigger than that. Because most of the times where the word you is used in the New Testament, it's referring to you. It's referring to us as a people. But for some of us, we're sitting here this morning and and you may be thinking, yeah, I sort of, I I agree with what he's saying. I I agree that that makes sense. But there's a struggle for many of us with that whole thing. And for each of us, that struggle will have a slightly different, slightly varied, slightly nuanced reason. And I'm not this morning going to hope to know the specific reason why you individually struggle with church or struggle with committing. So as I'm going through a few things I'm just going to talk about in a minute, I'm not in any way wanting to simplify or um, in any way belittle the individual circumstance that you might have in your life. See, for some of us, we might never have thought about this before. It's as simple as that. We just haven't thought about church in this way. For some of us, it's, it's an issue of the narratives that we have going on in our life and the culture that we live in. The individual narrative that we have. That my faith is a thing for me. It's between me and God, me and Jesus. It's about me and Jesus. And that fits with the culture in which I live currently today. The consumer narrative, that, that thing I was talking about earlier on, that, you know, when I described it as you know, spiritual goods and services. But for many of us, actually, that goes quite deeply ingrained. It's not, we don't, it's not up here we do this. It's actually, we live in a culture where we consume. That's what we do. And so it creeps in. But as I was thinking, reflecting on this yesterday, the the biggest narrative that I had a sense that people this morning may have, that may be for some people, was the narrative of freedom. That we live in a culture 
but says, you will be free if you don't tie yourself to anything or anyone. You will be free. And the reality is it's a lie. It is a lie that is sown around this country and around this world that to be free is to not be attached. To be free is not to be in relationship with others because if you get in relationship with others, they're going to hurt you, they're going to take something from you and certainly if you get in relationship with the church, it will hurt you and it will take from you. And the reality is, is that's partly true. That the church has in its history taken from people and hurt people but it doesn't take away from the fact that the church is the people of God and I would much rather be part of the church and try and sort that stuff out than sit on the edge of church in isolation and not finding that community which actually deep down I crave See, for some of us, we're drawn to this beloved people, the notion of it, but there's a fear. For still others, there's people who actually, that notion of that fear isn't theoretical. You actually have been hurt within the church. You've got burnt in many ways. You might have got burnt and hurt by your own behavior, by the behavior of others, Often it's a mixture of the two. But I do believe that if that's the case, that God would want to draw alongside you and would want to change your heart towards his church. I was at um, a football match yesterday with my son and um, last week, if any of you have stood on a touchline last Saturday, you'll have, you'll have made the sacrifice for your, for your child of standing in horizontal rain in high winds and I, we, got home, we got home and it was there, was there was three of us were there and there's only two showers and I had to, you know I, I actually did manage to say to my son no you have the shower first but it was touch and go and, um, but yesterday yesterday morning it rained again but yesterday the rain was different yesterday the rain was it was just steady and straight and it went, and, it was, and I got home, my, my coat was soaked. I took it off, and I thought, I'm fine. And so I went about my business. And as the day went on, I was, I was just, just cold. Because the rain had seeped into my hoodie and my T-shirt. And, and, but it took a while for me to realise. And I was reflecting on that last night, and I, I had a sense of a people, some people here today the rain has seeped in and it's, it's, it's got in and there's a coldness that in, is, is there but you, you, can't, you can't shake it off and the sense I have this morning is, is that God wants to shake that coldness off. You know, whatever the reason for our caution, God has called us to love his church He's called us to love his local church, this expression of it, and he's called us to love the whole body of Christ. John Wimber, who was the founder of um, the, the vineyard as we know it today, he said this many, many years ago. 
God showed me I had sinned many times against the body of Christ. I had become judgmental of the larger body of Christ. I publicly repented of my divisive attitude. God spoke to me about loving the things he loves. He loves his church. He loves the whole church, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, and Anabaptist. I don't mean he loves all the things different Christians believe and do, but in his heart, Jesus deeply loves his body. Those people who are born of the Spirit of God and who know the Father. We have been called to love the things Jesus loves. So we have no choice but to love the whole church. Even denominations whose beliefs we may not agree with or those parts we do not understand. And that's one of the reasons that I stayed in the vineyard. I'd come out of a very different church situation. And I, there were, there were, different, there were different reasons that I, I stayed, but this was one of them. When I saw a church that loved the whole body of Christ. So the church was and is God's idea. The church is a chosen people. And the church is a people with a calling. See, the thing is, if we really get this thing about the church is God's and it's a chosen people, it completely changes how we then read and digest the things that the Bible tells us about how we should live. Because we're living out of that love. So we're going to go, just going to go back to some of that Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another, with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, if the church is God's chosen people, if the church is God's beloved, why wouldn't we want to do that? In the book of John, Jesus put it this way. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Because Jesus' heart ultimately is that everyone would be part of this chosen people. And as people look in on the church and they see that we actually live it out, then we won't be able to stop them coming. Just under 25 years ago, I, um, Donna and I, we were preparing for our wedding. We were getting ready for our wedding. And uh, uh, Donna's family in particular is a large family. And... Uh, uh, so we were trying to work out how we're going to, we had a number, and we're thinking, how are we going work to work it all out? So what we did was, is we said to some, some relatives, um, 
actually, you, you work out how you want to invite. So we got the invites and we gave them to them. And we said to them, well, work out, here's your invites, work out you want to invite and just tell us who you've invited. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Until we gave invitations to Donna's grandma. See, Donna's grandma loved, one thing Donna's grandma loved was her granddaughters. So anyway, some time went by and Donna went over to the, the neighbour's house across the road from her, from her grandma and she walked in and, there on, and she was chatting to the, the neighbour and the neighbour was saying, oh, how's it going, how's it all going? And she said, oh, it's fine, fine. And, um, and Donna looked up and there on the mantelpiece was what looked like our wedding invitation. The thing was, our wedding invitations, we'd done in beautiful green, cream card. They were, they were lovely. This was on a piece of white paper. See, the problem was, Donna's grandma loved her granddaughter, so, her granddaughter so much that she wanted everyone to be there. So Donna goes back home and says, well, so what have you done? And she said, well, I ran out. <laughs> so she went and she photocopied the wedding invitation and carried on giving it out. So if you ask me how many people were at my wedding, I actually don't know. And I didn't know everyone who was at my wedding. <laughs> you see, Donna's grandma, and she was an amazing lady. But you see, for her, the question wasn't, why did you give out those invitations? Why did you photocopy them and just carry on giving them out? For her, the question wasn't, why did you give it out? For her, the question was, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I give the invitations? Why would I not want everyone to be at the wedding of my granddaughter? And the question to us this morning is, why would we not want to live as a people that would mean that everyone would want to be here? That everyone would want to be part of God's people? I've completely lost my track. You know, on Wednesday night, the, the, Debbie referred to the, the last week, the, the leaders' conference. It, it was an amazing week. And on Wednesday night, a pastor from a church called uh, Jesus House in London, he spoke. And he spoke about the church, and he spoke about the church that God is calling us to be. And he said this. If the church doesn't do what it should, there is no hope for this nation. And the question is, this morning, are we going to be that? Are we going to be the church that we've been called to be? If you're able, would you like to stand? <laughs>